0: Welcome to Suddenly I'm a Leader, the podcast. I'm Anne Davis of the RACGP. My guest today is Dr. Nicole Higgins. She is an alumna of the Future Leaders Program and she's here to share her leadership experience on creating champions of change. Nicole, thank you so much for joining Suddenly I'm a Leader.
1: Thanks, Anne. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So one of our earlier podcasts, we spoke to Michael Wright about coping with change and change resistance. So I think that this episode is really the next logical step on about creating champions of change, because as leaders, you know, you can't do it all yourself. So I'd like to talk to you initially about your concepts of change and then we'll move on to creating champions of change. So let's start. What does positive change feel like to you?
1: It depends. You know, positive change can be that quiet Mona Lisa moment where it feels quite warm and you're confident and you come out feeling stronger and you give yourself that quiet pat on the back and think, actually, I've done okay. Other times, positive change gives you a buzz and it's really energising and it makes you want to create something new and drive more change. And then other times you want to shout it from the rooftops and say, hey, look what we've done. This is fabulous. And it depends sometimes what role that you've got or what you're trying to change, how that feels. And sometimes, especially in times of COVID, sometimes we're so tired that often it's just enough just to have that quiet warmth to say, hey, I'm okay. My team's okay. And I
0: think too, sometimes with positive change, even though the outcome is positive, sometimes in the processes of the change, there have been, I guess, some negative in the, you know, Perhaps some people haven't got what they wanted, or maybe we haven't managed the process as well as we'd like. So sometimes getting to that positive change has some challenges along the way.
1: I think it's really important to realise that leadership can be exhausting and leadership can be very taxing at times, especially when you have teams who you're working with. Sometimes it might be one or two that you're leading. Sometimes it might be a team of 20 or it might be a practice or an organisation. And trying to be that, that leader can be very challenging. The other thing that can be very tiring is, you know, sometimes you actually need to say, I am tired, leading by vul- vulnerability and example, just to show others, hey, it's not all rises, it can be tricky too.
0: I think that concept of vulnerability and leadership is important in that creating a role model that is perfect isn't reality and it really discourages others from using their leadership skills, I think.
1: Oh, look, I I couldn't say that more strongly. I have failed numerous times. I have failed spectacularly and I think that I'm now in a stage in my career that I'm, you know, confident enough to say, here it is, you know, this is why, this is how. I've now come out, I've failed upwards and I think that, you know, we can only continue to grow through failure and actually, you know, making it, giving permission for others to do so as well.
0: Yes, I think that's right, giving the permission for others to do and they can see that, yes, you may have failed, but you've learned from it and you're moving ahead. So I'm interested in this concept of positive change and how you might create those conditions that will enable a more likelihood of a positive change. So just about creating that space, what do you do as a leader to create those conditions?
1: So I'm a believer in humble leadership. That means leading with humility, courage, and being able to inspire others to also become leaders and to grow that team around you. And when I was thinking about this, I was actually strongly influenced by uh, Simon Sinek's work leaders eat last. And that really set up how I approach the teams. So the environments that I work with, I am a practice owner, a fairly new one, been open for three and a half years. So I've grown a team fairly rapidly. I am also chair of GPSA, which is a national organisation. So two very different conditions. I need to provide the space for others to create and contribute, because unless we create those spaces to allow other people to grow, you can't have that Um, You know, that collaborative environment. And I think it's also really important to recognise, I guess the term is a flattened hierarchy, is that the people around us are the experts in the area that they work in and we need to allow them to create the space so that they can contribute. The more heads you have, you know, the less likely you are to fail in any projects as such.
0: And I think too that more heads is different people have got different experiences different ideas and different skills and so if we can create those conditions for change where we can have that collaborative approach and I think that it's not just bringing them together but enabling them to put their hand up and say well I can do this or I know someone it's that actively contributing as well.
1: And it's really important as leaders that we bring that knowledge in and actually say there are other people who know more than what I do and I don't know everything and those people are what create you know the magic and then what happens is you you know you meld all the bits and pieces together you bring the team together and then something amazing comes out afterwards. So that's really us
0: talking about creating those champions of change isn't it so I'm quite interested how you create champions of change what techniques you use at work I guess perhaps if we talk about your practice situation first
1: before you even start thinking about the techniques you use it's actually how do I upskill myself first because there is this assumption that leaders actually know what to do And, you know, the title of this is Suddenly I'm a Leader. Sometimes we are thrust into situations that are very new to us and we have to be very agile and adapt and nimble. And I think COVID definitely has demonstrated that within the practice. So firstly, you know, I'm like a bowerbird. I'm always picking up little bits and pieces that I might want to add to, you know, my knowledge base or my armoury that I can then use. I also have a background in education and those tools in medical education, you know, are invaluable whether or not it's with registrars, with other GPs, nurses, or my administrative staff, using those different skills and wh- where I find them, whether they might be podcasts, audiobooks, you know, reading, finding mentors. And I, I do have a couple of wonderful mentors that I work with because they say leadership is lonely and it certainly is. I think when we talk about the techniques my first thing is it's always communication communication and the first part of communication is listening and quietness is sometimes a very hard thing for a leader to do because we've got a tendency to speak and if we listen to our our teams irrespective of you know which part they come from that's where you're actually going to find what's happening on the ground where the bear traps are where the difficulties are happening, and then you can actually start talking. When we talk about those techniques, then, you know, I I use the word flattened hierarchy before. Medicine has traditionally been hierarchical and, you know, the white coat syndrome. And I think as more and more women come into general practice, into leadership roles within general practice, we bring a particular style with us. And sometimes that is a quieter style. And That means allowing everybody else to have, you know, it's creating that space where opinions and, you know, they're sought and they're valued. And after the listening, then bringing the groups together and communicating. And that might be one-on-one. It's regular staff meetings, you know, using all the different mediums that you've got.
0: Yes, because I think, you know, the concept of creating champions of change, it's actually not you know, handing over a project to someone to do that change. Whilst it may be that, I think the concept of champions of change is getting everyone on board with whatever the change is. And I was very interested that you talked about Simon Sinek because he's one of my idols and one of the other things that he talks about is the the importance of the why of what we do. And I think that's what I'm hearing from you in that In the communications, it will be the operational stuff, but starting with the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we having this change?
1: The why sits behind everything that I do. And one of the things often I'm, you know, also coaching other people within the practice, whether it be, you know, my my manager or my registrar's, And it's then, okay, so what's the why that sits behind it? How can we get people to buy in to this project or this health change? Why do we want to? Why would they want to? And how do we bring them along with us? And Simon Sinek's work and particularly that TED Talk, I think that's life-changing for a lot of people. So if they haven't heard it or haven't read his book, that is the starting point of leadership. We can put that in the show notes. I've been an avid devotee of a podcast called Coaching for Leaders and that's been around since 2011 and that brings all those fabulous people like Simon Sinek and Lois Frankel, et cetera, and also people, you know, from everyday life discussing leadership and I think that's actually been really formative in how I've thought about leadership along the way. It's just
0: like these podcasts, it's listening to how other people doing it and thinking about okay I could use that section maybe not that but I can use that section of what that person's talking about I'd like to just bring it back and compare or not compare but now think about your leadership with GPSA and are there any major changes from your style or is it very much you're still that bowerbird you're still that high communicator
1: I think what GPSA does is really heighten the need to make sure that I have these skills and continue to update because the stakes are different. I'm making decisions for 6,000 other people who are, who are the membership, but also then the impacts on the future are much more significant. So I have to be really, really mindful of actually having more knowledge to guide decisions to sit behind me so in my practice I'm on my own I can be a little bit more freewheeling and creative and take greater risk with respect to GPSA the accountability levels are much higher and the stakes are much higher
0: and I guess you've got in that role some more structures the governance structures the board structures and they're giving guidance to your leadership role as well your leadership style I guess because there are a certain number of things that just have to be done very structured whereas in your practice as you say you can be more creative.
1: And having a board behind you or you know another way of thinking of it is a group of elders that sit around you and that's not about age that's actually about wisdom and it makes you feel a lot safer in many ways you know you do have a safety net that sits underneath you but it's also a whole different skill set that's required so whether or not the discussion with the health department or discussions with other key stakeholders you know networking and relationships are taken you know to a much greater level and incredibly important and I think that is something that you know networking and understanding what sits behind relationships is what creates a very, very good leader. But also those
0: relationships that you have with the key stakeholders in the GPSA role, that's where you're creating the champions of change, aren't you? With those stakeholders looking at what their needs are, how they might influence the outcome as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. But even looking at the membership, so there's 6,000 supervisors there, and they are all leaders within their own practices. They're teaching and guiding the next generation of our family doctors. So giving them the tools and the confidence to say, hey, you can do this too. I got here as a humble supervisor who just really enjoyed teaching.
0: (laughs) You can do it. Anyone can do it is what I think your message
1: is. I am. And I think it's also really important to say hey we're real people as well yeah you know it sounds very grand to say yes I, I own a practice but you know, I, I'm a mum of three kids I have to coordinate picking people up and dropping off working out what you know what's for dinner and all of those things while you know, at the same token you know my kids will be used to me having a discussion with maybe say the health department while I'm driving in the car <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no manual how to do this I, th- I think having the confidence just to create your own.
0: I'm interested, before we finish up, has there been a change experience that you've found transformative?
1: About six years ago, I was in a meeting and I was working for somebody else at that point. And as they went around the room, they were looking at the various doctors in the space and said, they work for me, that person works for me, that one works for me. And I actually thought, I work with you, and that one word was actually the, the thing that made me decide, right, I can actually do this. I can create a practice. I can do this on my own. It also made me very aware that the words that we use are incredibly powerful. I'm really, really mindful of that when I'm talking with others. But that was the point where I decided, no, I can. Great story. And I agree with you, the, the power
0: of words and the particular words. So, Nicole, thank you so much for spending time with Suddenly I'm a Leader. That brings us to the end of this podcast. Till next time, goodbye and be kind to each other.